Last week, we talked about where true joy comes from. Do you remember that? We talked about circumstantial joy and how temporary it is and how, the, how abiding joy is the fragrance of God in our soul, the presence of God in us, that joy comes from living in the presence of God. The presence of God provides an eternal perspective that sets the tone for everything else in our lives. It's important for us to have that. God offers us his presence, and he offers us abiding joy. And I want to tell you, I I want every one of you, my prayer for every one of you is that you will learn what it is to have abiding joy. That joy, we use that word abiding so you know it's not you know, the roller coaster ride of joy that circumstantial joy is about, but is that fragrance of God. Now, here, here's, a, here's a warning. If life is going pretty good for you, if things are going your way, life's going pretty good, things are unfolding the way you want them to unfold, you can live through a good portion of your life and not even realize that you don't have abiding joy. You just have a lot of circumstances that are going good. You're just a lucky one, a blessed one. So let me ask you about your joy. What if something happened today? What if something out of your control took place in your life today that's not according to your plan? Would it wipe out all of your joy? Or do you have a joy that surpasses all of those things? What we're going to talk about a little bit today in these next few minutes is the pathway to abiding, the abiding joy of God in our lives. So let's stand together and open our Bibles uh, to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, and listen to the words that Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. We can take that personally. He's appealing. The Spirit is appealing to us. By the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, listen, by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Father, I pray for this congregation, my friends, my brothers and sisters today, that we would walk in the abiding joy of your presence. Father, we're so grateful when things go well and go in in ways that we enjoy in life. But I'm also grateful that even when they don't, that your presence doesn't leave us, but that you breathe hope and life into our souls. Lord, there may be some here today who are going through really rough things, and they need that touch of you today. They need a touch of your abiding joy that will help them walk through this storm of life in the security of your promises. And I pray that today 
you'd begin to breathe that into them in new ways. And Father, help all of us to grow in this understanding of who we should be in you so that your abiding joy can be upon us in Jesus' name. Amen. Our timelines are a little short this morning. I'm grateful for what God's already been doing in this service, aren't you? So I want to jump into this thing pretty quickly. The Bible tells us in this passage a couple of truths that you need to understand about yourself. You need to understand about your children. Uh, We need to understand about life. One is this. As we come to Christ, our minds need to be transformed. We need to get better thinking. And, And part of that, what it teaches us in this passage, is that it is an intentional process that we have to pursue. That we've gotten a taste of who Christ is, and now we must pursue the fullness of what him being God's son on the, come to this earth for us, what that means to us. We are told that our thinking, how we see the world, is not right. And until, I want to tell you, until you deal with the, the mindset of your mind, the only thing that's available to you is circumstantial joy. You can't have abiding joy if your mind doesn't get renewed, if you don't begin to see things differently. But the more our minds, the more our thinking is transformed, the more we understand the world from a biblical perspective, a revelation of God perspective, the more we can experience the abiding joy of God, the presence of God, the fragrance of God in our soul. Without our minds being fixed, we cannot have that abiding joy. Abiding joy comes because it is a state of the heart. It is a presence of God's reality in us. It is a presence of how we see and experience things and know who God is in our life. So I want to give you today, we could talk about a lot of places, but I I want to talk about two places in particular where our minds need to be renewed. And you may be experiencing some of this at various levels, but I want you to examine this in your life. One of the places where our mind needs to be renewed is in how we see life itself, what's important in life, uh, what, what matters in life, uh, what life is all about. Now, there are two extreme views of this. The, extreme, the two extreme views, if, if you have the person who doesn't believe in God, uh, their view is this is life, this is it, that's all there is to it, we live, we die, and it's over. And so you better get everything you can out of this life. The other view of this is that this life is a journey to eternity. It's a journey to eternity. Paul laid out his view of life in a very simple statement. He said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. He said, while I'm here, I live for Christ's sake. 
But that's not the end of it. I gain because if I live for Christ's sake, eternity is mine. Now most of us, most people that I know, live somewhere in between those two opposing views. Now there, I know a few people who are absolutely sold out to this is life, this is it, that's all there is to it, and then we're done. I know a few people sold out to that. And, and I've, I've been around some people who are really far down that spectrum on this life is a journey and what we face on this life, God's doing something in us. But most of us are somewhere in between. We don't believe this life is all there is, but we want to hold on to it. We want to win in it in the way that the world sees winning and the way that we can feel successful in light of this world so that people can see us and think that we're successful. And, 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 and you know, we, we still want to do that, that, that there's still some of the this is it in us. We have a sense in our life of what is fair or what we have earned from God and what we deserve based on our idea of what God should be like and what he owes us if I show up to church every week and clean up some things in my life that, boy, I, I, why would God let anything bad happen to me? But when we change our thinking to that we're on this journey to eternity, when we begin to see this life as the womb for eternity, as the place where we are knitted together and formed together and created by God for eternity's sake, a couple of things change that allows us to have abiding joy. Because up until then, we're going, to have, we're going to have circumstantial joy. The first thing that changes is this. Our view of purpose in life changes. When we begin to see, think about this, when you're seeing life as this is all there is to it, this is it, then everything's about here. But when you begin to see, nope, this isn't it, this is the journey to eternity. This is the womb that I'm being formed in for eternity's sake. Your purpose and, and life begins to change. How you see things. The more we see this life as it, the more we will try to find purpose in what we get out of here. The Bible would describe, would identify this as the lust of the eyes that can never be satisfied. We're going to want more pleasure. We're going to want more stuff for ourselves. We're going to want more position. The more we think this way, I warn you, the more you think that way, the more fragile your joy is. Because all it takes is one, one event and your joy crashes. One thing happens and this life is ruined. But the more we see th that eternity is what matters, this doesn't rob us of ambition, but the reason behind the ambition changes. The why in everything that we do and everything that we face changes. 
because it's not all about this life. This life is a journey in a fallen world, and it's a temporary journey at that. And whatever I face in this temporary journey, if I face the good, I am thankful. When I face the tough, the bad, the unexpected, the harmful, I trust him that eternity is going to make it all right. Eternity is going to bring it into perspective. If my goal is to build a good life for myself, then the goal is temporary and fleeting. If my goal is to live a life in God's purpose and to know his will, I build, I do the things that I do, I use the things that I have with eternity in mind, and I seek the pleasure of God and the, the, the glory of God, and I can begin to sense the pleasure of God. When I begin to see all things of life tinted with an eternal perspective, this is temporary, that's eternal, then everything that comes my way begins to lean that direction and changes my purpose. If I'm a musician, I begin to understand that my music was meant to give glory to God, not to give glory to sex. My, my music was meant to give honor to God and to build others up and to encourage them in righteousness, not to tear them down in unrighteousness. My music was meant to bring glory and honor to God and to express my hope in Him, not to express my despair in a world that I don't like, that's unfair to me, and I can't find my joy because this world's so unfair. But that I can find joy in the Lord. It changes my perspective about how I see things. It changes my perspective about my ability to learn or athletic ability or any kind of other ability or any position God puts me in or how much money he allows me to have, whether it's going to be about myself and this temporary life and this temporary place where that's where the pleasure is going to come from or whether it's supposed to be used to bless others, to encourage others on their journey to eternity and to be a part of God's kingdom. Do you see that today? Am I getting this? Am I making this clear? Our abilities are... This is, this is really... I want to share something that's, that's happened to me in the last about month and a half. And, and I shared this with one person very specifically this week because they were a part of me getting this revelation in my spirit. Our abilities, our gifts, the things that we have, are a birthright given to us by God. When you're born again, you get a gift. When you're born, God gives you certain talents and abilities. The question is, what are you going to do with that birthright? How are you going to use that birthright? We can sell the birthright to this earth. We can sell it to trying to fit into our culture. We can sell it to try to be popular in this culture. We can sell it to try to get things for our flesh or to try, try to get glory for ourselves. We can sell our birthright that God's given to us to bring glory to him and to help others. We can sell it out cheaply. Or we can use them for his glory. And we can use them to bless others. And we can use those things to build for eternity.
What are you doing with your birthright? Moses was a great example of this. He gave up the pleasures of Egypt for the work of eternity. Jesus is a perfect example of this. He suffered the shame of the cross, hanging naked, seemingly helpless, beaten by men's hands to die on the cross for the sake of the glory that would come when we could be saved because of his price. What was Jesus doing? Was Jesus thinking about getting glory on this earth? Was Moses thinking about glory on this earth? No, they were thinking about it. They had an eternal perspective. For our sake, Jesus had an eternal perspective. You can look at Jesus, and in every way, by just looking at his life and how it ended, you can say, oh, that guy, man, he blew it. He was a failure. But when you know what he was doing for eternity, he becomes the greatest hero that ever walked on this earth because he had an eternal perspective as I talk with teenagers from time to time, I'll ask them, you know, what do they want to do with their lives? And you get all kinds of answers. You know, I want to be an actor. I want to be a musician. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a business person. And, and whenever they get done talking about those, and all of it can be good. My next question is why? Why do you want to be that? Because, see, if it's, if it's all about you, well, I... I knew a businessman once who made a lot of money and had a lot of things, and I want to be like him. Or, or, you know, I want to be a doctor that has control over people's lives and can do things in people's lives. Or I want to be a, a musician that everybody cheers and claps at my concerts. If it's all about you, that's one perspective. If, if that becomes, you know what? I want to be on this platform. I want to be in this place. I want to be used of God to give glory to God, to draw others to God, to use my resources for God's glory. That's a whole other perspective. And the renewing of our minds calls us to have a new perspective. And I want to tell you, friends, there is abiding joy, but it's only in the purpose of God. It's only in understanding how short this life is, how temporary it is, and understanding the eternal perspective. If this life is it, then life is fragile. If eternity is this, then this life is rock solid as we build on Jesus. No matter what comes our way, no matter what storm comes our way, no matter what wind or rain falls in our life, we've got a foundation that is true and eternal when we build on Jesus. Are you getting that? Bless the Lord. This life can be ruined. Eternal life cannot be ruined. Now, this, this leads us to the second part of this point of perspective about life. And, and this is in how we see troubles. You know, the biggest trouble we face in life is uh, maybe the death of a loved one or the death of a, of a dream or an opportunity. I know people very well who would tell you that their life has been ruined 
by another person's action. And if you listen to their story, you've got to say, that was pretty rotten, what they did. How we conform to the world or how we allow ourselves to be transformed with the renewal of our minds impacts us in the troubles of life. Grief or loss can pull us down in bitterness and in despair of life when life is all about this world. When you lose someone close to you, when you lose something close to you, when you lose a, a dream on this earth or a, 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 something you wanted to accomplish on this, when it's lost and it's gone, it can feel like life is ruined until you see yourself, hey, this is the journey that God has placed me on and whatever happens in my life, he's going to work it out for his glory and his good. I can trust him to guide my life. It changes our perspective. It changes how we see things, and it fills us with hope. I'll tell you, there's been times when I've stood at the graveside of my friends and, I've, uh, and my loved ones, no matter how old they are, and I've had this sense of feeling that, boy, this isn't right. You know why you feel that way when you go to the graveside? Because it's not right. This wasn't supposed to be the way it is. This is a result of a fallen world, and the pain of it is a result of a fallen world. God's intention was for us to walk with him and to walk in his presence always. He knew what we were going to do, but his intention was for us to walk with him always, and he sent his son to restore that intention. But while we walk on this earth, we face things that aren't right. They're not the way it was supposed to be. And the death of loved ones is one of those things. But in the middle of that death of a loved one, in the middle of that grief, the sense of the hope of God can reign in your life, can move in your spirit, and you can know this is only temporary. This is only for a moment. There's a reunion day coming because my life isn't caught in this world. My hope is in all of eternity. Now listen, friends. The time we spend in the presence of God begins to cure our hearts of fear. The more you're in the presence of God, the more you seek Him, the more you come into a service like this today and are not a, a spectator, but you become a participant and you begin to think about these words of how we need the blood of Christ in our life and how we need His presence, and you begin to open your life to Him, the more you take that home into your prayer closet and find a place to get alone with God and to seek Him and to invite His presence into your life, it begins to cure our hearts of the attachment to this world and the fears of this world and we begin to set, get set free especially the paralyzing fear of losing people or things precious to us the presence of God makes us fearless in the face of this world knowing this world doesn't have the final say See, our view of life needs to be renewed. And they're renewed by the promises of God. We cannot walk in abiding joy when our hopes and dreams are in a fallen and broken world. <sighs> Point two today, where our minds need to be renewed. How we see others. 
How we see others must be transformed. And, and, and specifically, I want to talk today about how we see others who bug us or hurt us. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's a whole new mindset, isn't it? Has anybody else found that really hard besides me? So all of you guys out there, you're all saints. You love your enemies perfectly. I am really impressed. I should sit down and some of you should come and tell us about how to do this. See, because most of us have had people do things that have hurt us, disappointed some of them terribly in our lives. Have you ever asked yourself, how can God forgive those who hurt me? You know, he will, you know. I mean, think about this. Think about the person in your life who hurt you the worst, did something terrible to you. Maybe some of you, that's, maybe that's a small thing. Some of you, I know some of your stories, the, pretty terrible things. Think about this. If they cried out to God today, God would forgive them. God would forgive them. Have you ever asked yourself, how, how, can, how can God do that? How, you know, they hurt me. Aren't you grateful? Let me, let, me, let me flip the other side. How many of you can think of people that when they think of who hurt them the worst, they think of you? When they have a list of people who've hurt them in life, said things, done things, acted in ways that hurt them, your name, maybe my name, gets dropped on their list. Are you grateful that God can forgive you? They may never forgive you. You may want them to. You may be sorry for what you did. You may be sorry for how it turned out. But they may never forgive you. But if you cry out to God, he will. Aren't you grateful that God forgives us of our sins against others? How can he do that? What, what, what makes that right? Well, first of all, friends, his grace offers forgiveness to everybody. Everybody gets, so the people who've hurt me get offered that grace. And I get offered that grace. Even in our desire, even how, how do we forgive those who sinned against us? His grace helps us forgive those who've sinned against us. God can offer them grace even when you won't forgive them because he is always offering us his grace. Because we, listen, we are his. We belong to him. And as we sin against him, they've sinned against him. He can forgive us because we're his. We belong to him. And he can tell us what to do. The sin is partly against him, and we are called, listen, he calls us as his to forgive them. And if we don't, we're in rebellion against him. Because as we've been forgiven, he calls us to forgive. So how we see has to be changed. Also, 
this is available because God offers us healing from other sins against us. This is so key to understand about how can I forgive this person who did this terrible, terrible thing that has wounded me so deeply. And in some cases, you think in the back of your mind, this has ruined my life. No, no, no. It hasn't ruined your life. God can fix that. God can restore you from that. God can lift you out of that. God offers you healing. This is one of the reasons God can forgive them is because he can move in your life and make your life just as if it did not happen. Doesn't mean their memories erased. But he can take the results of that thing and cleanse it out of your life so you're no longer bound by it. And because he can do that, he can forgive them of what they did to you because there's no long-term results going to be left upon you. Part of this comes down to our third point today that if we had time we would make it, but we don't. And that's in how do we see God? God has to do what we, does, do we see God as a God who has to do what we agree with? Or are we here to serve God? Can't do justice to this point today. But we need to see God rightly, that he is the one that we serve, not that he is the one who serves us. That we're on this earth to be transformed, created, remade. We are here to be set free from the from the ramification of this sin nature so that we can spend eternity with him. Listen. There is no abiding joy when there is abiding bitterness. There's no abiding joy when there is abiding hate. Revenge sounds sweet to the flesh, but it doesn't bring abiding joy. In fact, revenge is taking the place of God and saying we're God and we know how to rightly judge. For our hearts to have abiding joy in our minds, our minds must be transformed in how we see others. How we see life and how we see others. As long as you're caught in the old way of thinking, you can't walk in the abiding joy of God. Your mind has to be renewed. People are the most valuable thing on this earth. And we need to get good at loving and serving people, even the ones who disappoint us. I want to invite you to stand today. There's many other places where our minds need to be renewed, but these are the two that I think the Lord would bring to you, to us today. I want to invite you. We're just going to take about a minute, maybe a minute and a half. Dan's going to play softly. I want to invite you just to bow your heads and close your eyes, shut everybody else out, and just say to the Lord, Lord, are there places, have, have I heard places today where my mind needs to be renewed? Are there other places today where my mind needs to be renewed? Take just a minute and let the Lord speak to you today. Father, I know that you speak to us in moments just like this. And so, Father, by faith, I, I believe that you've spoken to many, many people in this room.
Maybe about something we've talked about today. Maybe about some other perspective of their life where they're thinking it needs to be transformed. I'm so grateful that, Father, you can take just a simple message like this and apply it directly to, where, what, to what we need to hear. Lord, my prayer is that every person in our fellowship will walk through this earth with abiding joy, with the presence of your joy. That, Father, in the moments of great victories and good things, that they'll rejoice and be thankful to you. And that, Father, in those moments when tough things come our way, that we will still sense your presence, holiness and keeping us, and our hope will be stirred by the joy of your presence in us. Father, there are some here today that they need to forgive others as you've forgiven them. Lord, this is a tough pill to swallow sometimes. Sometimes we have to take multiple doses of it to get it right. So, Lord, I pray you'd help us to rise above the actions of others and rest in the actions of Jesus on the cross for us. Father, there's some here that simply need to surrender their heart to your Son as their Lord. They need to get an eternal perspective of... And we know that if they just simply breathe up that prayer and ask you into their life, that you'll do that. Do that today, we pray in Jesus' name. This morning, Dan's going to lead us in a song, and as he does, I just want to invite you to take an active step today. If you really need a touch of abiding joy, if God has spoken to you about some place in your life where you need to get a new perspective, and you know as you sit here, you're going to need some help. You're going to need God to help you. Or if today you simply want to ask Christ into your life. As we sing this song, I just want you, wherever you're at, to step out and come down around this altar and just lift your hands to him and invite him to move in your life this morning. Right now, in Jesus' name, step out and come. If any of those things apply to you today. Prayer teams, would you come down and just stand with somebody and pray with them for a moment right now in Jesus' name. Father, you see every person in this room, the ones who've come to this altar. You know why they're here, Lord. Their life isn't a secret from you. They've come down with an open heart. Father, whatever that need is, just begin to move in their life today and touch them. Father, this great congregation this morning, let us be a people who represent you well, who are truly your brand on this earth of a people who walk in love and joy because we have a right mindset and a right perspective. Don't let us miss that, we pray, Lord. Let us understand that without a, without a transformed mind, we cannot walk in abiding joy. As we worship you, Lord, continue to speak to us. In Jesus' name, let's worship him one more time today.